0: through
1: this is Ross Payton here with Royal Blame public radio and this is episode 36 Gen Con 2009 wrap up and
2: it's really sad ladies and gentlemen he does this every time he does the announcer voice because he thinks it makes him sound relevant yes but all it does is make him sound like a total jackass.
1: Well, yeah, you can go on and... Whatever helps you sleep at night, Tom. You can go I and...
2: sleep just fine, and I don't do that voice. Oh, yeah. Well, you're not the one who introduces the episode. I could be. You could be, but you're not. I could introduce it without that accent.
1: You could. It's not an accent, Tom.
2: The voice. I could do it without the voice. You could, but it wouldn't be right. Probably not. Anyway,
1: we're, uh, of course, uh uh come back from Gen Con 2009, the big ol' gala event of the gaming calendar year and uh we've had all kinds of uh, adventures and mishaps and uh
2: 30,000 of the alpha gamers out there well
1: 20,000 20 and 25,000
2: Thirty thousand of the of the t- <laughs> hot gamers out there. Okay, I apologize for that noise interruption that just happened. Oh
1: snap! Um, so we have a lot to talk about. First, I do want to mention a little, little bit of news: the Goblin Hulk ransom is a success. Uh, thank you. Thank to, you,
2: money donators. Yes,
1: uh, we will have that up hopefully by September twentieth. Maybe a little later. We'll uh, just see. We'll we'll get the
2: quality out. You know, we're working. On we're all that. about quality. Yes,
1: as you know, we're all about quality. And, and if that means it's
2: delayed jokes. for sixteen months. <laughs> that's just how we roll yeah well
1: anyway um so we're, we're just going to focus this whole episode on gen con obviously what we did what we bought what we uh gained, what we saw what we learned and what and, we eventually
2: uh, lamented we didn't do and are going to do next year yeah Hopefully
1: so. Uh, I guess the first things first, and that would be the trip, the uh, trip up. So yeah, I know. Uh, as you may know or may not know, we're in Springfield, Missouri here, which is about a seven and a half hour car drive to. Depending uh, you
2: know, on how many times two. you stop and how for how long.
1: Yeah, well, uh, seven and a half hours of being in the car, of driving, or yeah, transportation. So the transport phase. Yes, the tra- yeah, the road trip or you want to call it that. So um yeah, um we, this year uh we uh we did something a little different. We
2: uh, We, we uh, yeah, Ross as actually I got to give Ross some credit here as much as this burns me to say so that it, he had a great it hurts idea. Your soul. Yes. It does. We like Ross took along something we hadn't taken along before, an audiobook. Several audiobooks, in fact, but uh, one in particular that stands out of a book that came out, you know, what, five years ago, two thousand four. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Daily Show presents Might America have heard the of Book.
1: Them. They're 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 good folk. They're yeah, fun.
2: yeah. And um, I recall the we we started it in Rolla, which is about hour and a half, about hundred miles exactly from Springfield. Yeah, and we started it as soon as we le- departed Rolla after filling up with gas. It ended about an hour after just before we arrived and we barely noticed the time pass. Yeah. That is an audiobook is a good thing to bring. It's uh three discs, uh
1: and um it is uh, quite hilarious. It is uh cool. John Stewart and uh, the entire uh daily show crew uh or at least uh, doing stuff uh, yeah yeah. reading a book Uh, i'm sure you've already read well i mean i think they they changed a lot about it but it's more like a radio play they put a lot of production value in it. it's not just reading they have sound effects and we learn things like
2: warren g harding is a worthless piece of shit
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's uh stephen colbert's uh uh, the worst president. The worst president is apparently Warren G. Hardy. So uh, all you uh, haters out there, you, you got to warn nothing. Get your no, hate on. No president you've ever lived under has been equal to Warren G. Hardy. him. Fuck him seriously fuck, fuck him in
2: his stupid ass fuck that
1: guy yeah he's get like, your hate on yeah exactly so get your war on um
2: <laughs> but seriously that if to make a long trip past an audiobook is an and awesome. the reason thing we, we we did the audiobook thing
1: was because uh previous years you know it was about just the music well and it's, it, it's back we were it's about
2: dueling music yeah and, and uh, uh, ross likes techno I don't.
1: I, li- I like a lot of different music, and I, it's electronica. And there's so many different genres. But I don't there's like it. House. There's trip. No hob, one cares. There's break no beat, one cares. There's drum and bass. Liquid Ross, drum and bass. No
2: one cares. France. Drum and bass. No, I am speaking for everyone when I say no one cares. I think some people care, Tom. I don't think they do. People with
1: good taste.
2: No. <laughs> but really so like that's what the you know, our first time we went that's what it pretty degenerated to after the excitement and talking was done is when the music came up i put a cd in and i was like yeah okay well that's a now let me now let me show please play some real music yeah and then that was about 90 minutes of audio agony uh, of the a, same notes over and over and over
1: yes and over because and, uh the music you listen to is so noted for its variation, and uh, there's de-
2: more variation than that techno crap. No.
1: Yes, Tom. Yes, there's more variation.
2: See, we're explaining to you why we decided an audio book. Just was give me a good example idea. there. So, yeah. uh,
1: anyways, that, that that's road trip. So, uh, if you're going on on another road trip uh, with people with different variant tests, I select the middle ground. Find some audiobooks, or podcasts. Perhaps you could burn podcasts to audio yeah. CD.
2: Now we refrain from uh, from listening to our podcast because then we would just probably really get smug. Yeah.
1: Be like, oh, it's so great! And, <laughs> and
2: Aaron was the only other person in the car, so it would have been us. Like, now you see, Aaron, you see what we're doing here. It says we're going back and forth. Well, you know, actually, I was talking about. Other podcasts, you know,
1: like the the the, the many other like Ross, you're podcasts, a douchebag. Shut up. Um, or even horror podcasts or film podcasts. There are a variety but of podcasts
2: we can listen to ourselves and yeah, anyway. listen to our genius. Well, we're
1: we're we're sort of going off topic there. Um, well, that's what we
2: do. So that
1: that that's our little tip for uh, road trip. Oh
2: oh no, and uh, the other prep, the other thing to avoid all those long stops for food. Mm. Well, um. Well, I brought food, but that was more for Gen Con itself. Uh, Well, it also worked for the road trip, too. We'll go into more of that detail
1: later. Yeah, more of our lessons learned. Our... uh... But anyways, uh, so we got there Indianapolis. You know, uh, we day got or, there the day, day early. before. Yeah, we
2: planned. That was what we planned for last year. Good freaking thing to do.
1: Yeah, you, you really uh, don't want to uh, uh, get there a day late. or even you know you don't want to leave on the morning it starts because that's that's time. To- Basically, think of it as like a game. You want to maximize the amount of fun you have at Gen Con, so you have to get there as early as and possible. And if you're tra- and as if you're spending you're
2: spending half the day traveling, that's fun wasted. Exactly. You cannot waste fun. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a game, and you if have you to waste fun, you are no better than Warren G Harding. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so,
1: got there uh this year. I was staying with the Arc Dreams crew. They are, you know, my publisher. Um, oh, no. Ross
2: has his own publisher. Yes, because I'm a he's publisher elite. Writer. Yes. yes.
1: Uh, well, I was also running a bunch of games for them. I ran six official games for them, which is kind of insane. Yeah. And uh, I, however, paid for my room. Yes. at the Hi- See, I was at the Westin. Uh, yes. So, Westin was pretty cramped, you know. Uh, many of us in the same room, I slept on an air mattress. But it was fine, because I was so tired every day. Was, uh, you passed enough. right out. Of it. Pretty
2: much. I stayed at the Hyatt Regency. Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you. Not worth $300 a night. No. I guess if you come from the Midwest... You have an expectation for $300 a night. Yeah, and what, did, what what were your expectations, Tom? Not what I got. Not a room that was the size of a Holiday Inn room. Really? Yeah. Okay. And with less furniture than a Holiday Inn room, I might add.
1: Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true, I guess. Um, but were the beds comfy,
2: Tom? About the same as a Holiday Inn. <laughs> okay. I love Holiday Inn because it's cheap. Okay, fair enough. Um...
1: But, the again, the idea is, you know, when you're at Gen Con, you, you want to minimize the amount of time you spend in your room. You want to be, like, in and out at, like, you know, a ninja or something that is fast. Like a cheetah. A cheetah. A cheetah ninja. Preferably robot. Were, man Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> We're not mentioning Cinnabar. We're not tainting Gen Con with Cinnabar. You it's, brought it with you. I know. I was. I did. That's another thing I learned from Gen Con. Just a little tip. If you don't plan ahead of time that you're going to do something, it's not going to get done. Like... I thought I could spontaneously just go up to gamers and say, hey, read this from the World of Cinnabar. It'll be fun. I'm on a podcast. Yeah, see, everyone's busy. Yeah. Everyone's very busy, tired, and, like, there's so much stimulus. You're like, oh, my God, all this crap is going on that um, you're not going yeah. to uh, be able to get their attention. Yeah. So, anyways. Otherwise,
2: of course, and the other thing that happened with this one was uh, my friend Andy, who I've mentioned before, went there himself.
1: Yeah, you uh, RPPR listeners will know he is the one who wrote the uh, wrote up the, uh, the the nautical druid nautical druid dolphin druid uh, yes
2: and uh, yeah he he flew down there of course and because he lives in Seattle right yeah now we thought we would uh, at first try to hook up with him so we would arrive at the same time his plane landed so we could pick him up then of course the reality of trying to go into a in the Indianapolis airport right the day before a convention and get out of there anytime that day yeah so he, we you know and then of course not like oh yeah we go a di- we go an hour later mm-hmm. so he took a cab and that that was nice yeah
1: there's you, there's just no way to coordinate that kind of stuff i mean that's again you have to plans never survive initial contact with the enemy or reality so you have to keep them as simple and as idiot proof as possible because when you're on a trip you're an idiot i mean you absolutely know, you, yes so. Um. So, with the hot, you know, the the hotels basically their their main benefit was that they are close to
2: the thing. Yeah, that that's the pre- and could walk there via skywalk. And- yeah. Um, although at
1: certain hours they would like, especially late at night, they would uh, close off the Skywalk. So you'd uh, actually have to go outside. And yes, ugh, ugh. outdoors, uh, out of doors. So um, I guess this will bring us to our main sort of thrust: the of, day of, well, the, the yeah. convention, itself. yeah, the, the events. I mean, the the things that we did, the
2: meat, the meat and potatoes of yeah. the
1: convention. Um, I mean, obviously later on we'll talk about the, what we bought, but I, I think it's what we did at Gen Con yeah. that's memorable, not what we bought.
2: Obviously, of course. What do you go to Gen Con for? The games. Yeah, and I sh- I ran my first one on the night before the convention. Right. Which um, I'm going to. Well, that
1: wasn't that was an unofficial one. That
2: right? was an unofficial one. Right. But I ran it for uh, Andy and Aaron. And I will talk about that more at length later.
1: Right. Because I was like off limits. Like no no, v- no invitation only. No
2: the thing no the thing was they they had to we had to have music. Uh huh. And the stuff we all brought was probably copyrighted. Well yeah so that's why well, I, I mean like recording. you
1: didn't invite any outside gamers or no, no 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 it was nice. just it was so. just
2: it was me and thee. <laughs> that's it
1: okay fair enough um so uh, I ran six games officially. Uh, that's on the, the on listed on there. Um, all of them had at least two players. In fact, all of them sold out except for one, and that had two players. Uh, but all the other ones, I had six or more players. Ah, uh, yeah, six. Uh, no, I think there's one that with no. They 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 pretty much all got six players. And uh, yeah, that was that was kind of ridiculous. Uh, I ran up. I ran one after hours too. Uh, Call Cthulhu game for uh, Tom uh, Shane Ivey, publisher, or uh, you know uh, owner of Arc Dreams, uh, Greg Stolzy, the
2: game designer, uh, Aaron and Andy. And you ran it primarily because Andy requested you run a. I Ross Payton Call of Cthulhu game. Oh, wait, no, I'm forgetting
1: one person. James. uh, James Nevitt, who is Mm -hmm. uh, one of the uh, new... uh, uh, Well, not one of the new... But one of the Arc Dreams guys. So Mm -hmm. he's got some stuff in the works with them. Um, So, yeah, I I had picked up Secrets, uh, Mysteries of Mesoamerica uh, from Pagan Publishing. It's a 1920s, 30s supplement talking about Mesoamerica. How to... uh, Historical information about the Mayans, Aztecs, Olmecs. And uh, four scenarios in it. Now, last year... He had the galleys of it, uh, Scott Glancy from Paykelton Publishing did, and, and he mentioned how there was one scenario in particular out of the four that was very lethal. It was a meat grinder. It was It's called the Wealth Sacrifices. And it's, I also looked, it was also the shortest of them, and since I had been asked to run Call of Cthulhu, and I didn't... And
2: you had, like, 10, 15 minutes to prepare.
1: Yeah, I was like, I will run this, and it's 10 pages, so I, while you're making characters, I can actually read it and find out what the hell's going on. And, um... What are you telling me about your... You had to leave early, Tom. I got food poisoning. Yeah. Halfway well, through. Well, you weren't food poisoning. It was more like you didn't eat anything all day, and then you had a huge meal right before the game.
2: Yeah, pretty much.
1: So that's that's more of not really the food poisoned you. It's right But in, my
2: own damn stupidity. Yeah.
1: So... Uh, I beat you to it. Okay.
2: But, yeah, I, I was in there until... I was up there to the point, I think, we actually encountered the place of evil. Yeah. And... Everyone, I, uh, one thing I uh, one thing I do notice is everyone was really playing up the uh, white people dealing with native stereotypes of the early twentieth <laughs> twentieth century. True, like, true. I we mean, did record this game by yes, the way. Yes, really playing it up. I was and I was playing the like like you guys hired me to do a job and I am also white, so shut <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this was, I think, Aaron's second Call of Cthulhu game. This oh, was yeah. Andy's first. Yeah. So I'd have to actually talk to them to see what they think, but for my. But
1: didn't you t- to ask them what they thought.
2: Yeah, actually, uh, Andy said he loved it. Yeah. Said that you know your shit. <laughs> you well, got you got praise from Andy. I know, right? That's uh, hard. That's hardcore.
1: Yes, exactly, because he's he's one of those people who looks down on tactical role playing.
2: Or Aaron, however, had somewhat of a sheepish look when he came back to the room. So immediately, my interesting radar went off. Yeah. I, so Aaron. What did you think of the game? To which he (laughs) proceeded to regale me with the tale of how not only his character died, that when he took over the one I abandoned when I got sick, that character died in exactly the same way.
1: Exactly. Now, spoiler alert, the place of evil Tom mentioned earlier is called the Well of Sacrifices because it was a Mayan well used for human sacrifices. Imagine that. I know. And um, the well's dried out, uh, but there's a cave underneath it or like right next, you know, like you go down the well and there's a little side cave, you know, limestone, the water, dug it out, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, in this cave... Are giant vampire bats, blood-sucking albino vampire bats that are actually the servants of uh, the Mayan bat god, and um, basically uh, what they want to do is suck enough blood out of somebody and then vomit it back on a stone in order to summon awaken their god. Um, here's what here's what ha- how Aaron's first character died. Uh, they're basically crawling into the side cave. He failed a spot hidden check. And, uh, uh, basically failed to notice the dozens of giant bats right overhead. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this is during the day, so they were all asleep. And, uh, the scenario specifically notes they won't awaken unless the players, you know, make a loud noise. And so what does Aaron do?
2: Like, hey guys! I I think it's clear!
1: Yeah, that's exactly what he did. He yelled to the other players and woke the giant bats up and, uh... He got a, they, they started sucking his blood dry. He fell into a pool of water while bat, thrashing about it, trying to get a bat off of him. And uh, I can't remember whether he drowned or whether he had all his blood drained.
2: Well, he was draining strength, so that made swimming harder. And- yeah.
1: So um, he died a horrible death.
2: Luckily, I, had, I left because of my dumbass food decision.
1: Yeah. And so he took,
2: he took over my dude, a much tougher person.
1: Yes, because you, you're more familiar with it, and you chose a Tommy gun. Among exactly. Um, so the player's plan basically wound up being, let's go back in the cave and shoot everything. That was literally their plan, and I had already shown them that there was a weird-ass rock in the center of the well that sucked blood out if you touched it. So they could have like, hmm, let's smash that, or let's destroy it, or let's get some dynamite and blow the fuck out of this place. Well, it
2: is, come on, it is Call of Cthulhu and it's dynamite.
1: They didn't, yeah, but no one ever mentioned the word dynamite. Um, So... What they went in there, uh, him and another player went in there, and uh, with shotguns and Tommy guns, open fired on the bats. The bats. Loud noises. There were a lot of bats, and they were already agitated and uh, uh, had some blood in them. So um, they killed Aaron again. And, the same way. <laughs> the same way. And then they summoned their blood god, and all the other players wound up being uh, blood sacrifices or uh, new, the first cultists of the bat god. So, uh, I let them choose. See, I'm a nice GM. I let them choose. Do you want to be dead, or do you want to be a cultist? I think most chose cultist. But,
2: uh, yeah, they would.
1: Yeah, so that, that that's a great game, too, because Greg Stolze, he's a great role player, uh, as well as a game designer. I think he made most of his decisions based on failed occult checks. <laughs> so, Gotta love it. Uh, yeah, um, so why don't you tell me about some of the... Uh, okay,
2: the first game, I the first official game I was part of was the Star Wars game called Derelict. And... I don't know what it was. Well, it was a combination of things, but not a good first official game. I, I just have to say, uh, it's one of those. You have to be prepared to go off the script if you're mm. running something for actual players. Mm-hmm. And the person running the game didn't seem to want to leave the script. Ever. Mm. Railroading. Yeah, in fact, of the four hours it was the game. The, guy, the person running it had to have spent forty, fifty minutes going through the book, quietly reading, mm. and um, the it was just not good.
1: Right, right. Com-
2: the combat was really bland. You know, the, it's the kind of combat that you know D and D gets the battery for. Like, make a roll. You inflict this much damage. He attacks you. He misses. Okay, you attack. It's it went along like that. Okay. So, you know, that was my first it was Andy's first uh and Air, Andy and Aaron were both in this game. I recorded it. Yeah. So, we will, you know, we will post it when it's done. We will time.
1: inflict this on you.
2: Yes. Is what it's you're just saying. uh really bland. Are there lar-
1: are there long periods of time where no one speaks at all?
2: Yeah, and Aaron actually for his credit is he's really trying to breathe something into this. Yeah. He's trying. I mean, he's he thought of a few ideas that the other tech specials, like yeah 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 yeah, but you now that she you know it's basically, okay we're, like we're attacking these droids we dragal okay we can we try to like look in the droid see where it's like receiving its orders from and like maybe break into it you know to the signal so we can override it and you know they so they both try it and she the person running it has the deer in the headlights look <laughs> it's not a good sign no. So that was our that was our first that was the first official game we let we both let, we all left that one, just that's four hours I'm not gonna get back. <laughs> wow, that's but a, I must say yeah the next game we did made up for it okay. Um, well let me, let me yeah, we'll, but we'll, we'll, like yeah. first regale okay. us with one of your adventures.
1: Well like I said I ran the one game and then um, I ran six games for our Dreams. Now what I ran. I ran two sessions of Delta Green Night Shift, which is. Um, Kick ass
2: scenario. Yeah,
1: it, it, and I've sort of perfected it now since I've run it like three or four times now. Um, and uh, then I ran uh, uh, Monsters and Other Childish Things. I ran one game of Candlewick. I was uh, in that. Which was, you were in that. And then I ran two chapters for my upcoming campaign. Uh, road trip campaign. One was Sucrose Park, which is set in Vegas. And that only... And that had six players. That was Sunday. That was my last game. And then I had Pastoral Manor, which only had two players. I was the one with two players. Um, Pastoral Manor, it was interesting. You know, the two players, they both had the kid and the monster. And they really got into it. Uh, kind of followed the same path of it. Um, I, I was really blessed because there were a lot of people there.
2: Uh, everyone I, I, I ran games for was a good player. And, you know... Yeah, you, the most- all the player i mean even the play okay the players of that star wars game yeah. great players yeah but it there's I only think
1: th- the thing is you know like there's all these horror stories about con gaming you know playing at a convention like uh, getting just horrible players i think the thing is about Gen Con, it attracts the alpha gamers the the, the people
2: the, that want to that want the, to go really want to go you know and they're from all
1: freaking over yeah and and you really get the the creme de to the creme, and so um What was interesting, I'll just mention this, and you can go on to your next thing, is that I got recognized several times at Gen Con for being the host of RPPR. And I had, like, some... Like, I was running past Royal Manor, and there's, like, a guy at the other table, like, looking over, he's like, are you what you know are you Ross from RPPR? It's like, yes, yes I am. <laughs> and so, you know, it was really cool being recognized and some of the RPPR listeners out there actually pl- signed up and played in games. Yeah. And uh it was very uh very cool experience. So pastoral Manor... um I can't, I don't want to spoil anything, because, you know... It's coming album, out. Yeah, it's coming out, but, um, the players, uh, uh, really got into it, and I think they kind of wound up at the same solution you guys did when I play tested for you, you know... The, the good ending. The good ending, more or less. I kind of, I kind of, uh, uh, streamlined a little more, because I didn't want to, it's... The way I have set it up, you can run it either as one session, or you could spread it out among other sessions, so I kind of ran the quick version, but, uh... I think they, didn't, they weren't as interested in investigating the, the background. And they just went straight to the action. So that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And uh, so going, uh, let's hear hey, about your good the
2: game. The next game was the day after when I ran Mutes and Masterminds. Well, I, I didn't run I played it. I, kn- I rarely get to do that. And I'm going to say, that, the guy that ran that one knew his shit. And I had never got to play a real game of it where, like, where the guy knew every rule hands down. Knew how to, I mean, knew how to run. You know, knew how to run a game, keep it going, ke- keep the players interested. It was just dynamite. It was, it was called Freedom isn't Free. We were playing members of the Freedom League. I was playing the armored guy Daedalus. That I remember that when you did him, it was like, yes, I will go. Yes, you. Saw, it was like a positive Dalek or something. Yeah. Uh, instead, of, instead of like exterminate, it's I will help you.
1: <laughs> he was very. I remember running him as an NPC. He was a very enthusiastic uh go-getter kind yeah, of very, so, yeah very 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 nice
2: um, but no, uh, i i mean i played the la-, the la the combat session we were fighting the alpha centurion which is the evil version of the centurion and we were it, it got to the point where we we're all standing up because it was pretty just coming down to you know die rolls who got a better die roll but it was he was doing it in such a way that he was like okay go and now and you go so he wasn't dragging it out it was really quick and when we finally brought him down, we actually, like, you know, not cheer, but, you know, slam the table and, and you know, in celebration. By the time I we left, like, oh, I love that. And he's like, eh, I didn't. <laughs> he's not so much on the dice uh, yeah, rolling. Yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, that's not his idea of what good combat is. I'm like, dude, we were on our feet. Come oh. on. Fair enough, fair enough.
1: All right. Um, let me let me talk about Delta Green Night Shift because that was uh, two sessions Now The basic idea is you start out as... Uh I will spoil a little bit of it. If you've been on the Delta Green email list, you you probably are, you know, you, you start as heavily armed uh special forces soldiers defending them all. And uh you think, well that's odd, that's unusual. Well, yeah, it is. So uh the whole idea is that the uh, players trying to figure out why the hell they're there in the first place and uh what's what's really going on and um it, it's kind of uh I think a David Lynch Lynch kind of movie version of Delta Green. I think I, I play. I played or Terry Mac- Gilliam. Yeah. Now there are a couple of now I'm going to be running this at Dragon Con, so I don't want to spoil. I'll, I'll fully spoil it and write it up after Dragon Con. Until Fair then, enough. yeah, I'm going to keep the wraps on. But I, I do want to say players in the two different groups had different decisions. For example, the NPC McCready.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the players, uh, one group uh let him be. The other group uh, arrested him and then shot him in the head while he was in custody. So, uh, very different reactions. I like, what's interesting now is I want to run it a whole bunch more times to see how every group reacts differently because, uh, certain encounters like the, the very infamous one that, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about, mm. the, the kiosk, um, you know, with the, the big crowd, uh, one group, they're like, Oh, that's kind of, uh, interesting. the other group just totally lost their shit. I mean, they just like could not do <laughs> no witnesses. Yeah, Almost. (laughs) Like, we're shutting this place down. They just did not... They, like... It's interesting how how different groups reacted. (laughs) Homeland Security! So, if you ever get a chance, you should run the same scenario several times with different groups because you get different reactions, and I think that's one of the great joys of gaming is seeing how different groups of people react to the exact same thing. And uh, so you'll... And I recorded both games, although I think on the first one I was running solely on batteries... And uh, I think I may have missed the last couple minutes of it, so yeah. we'll 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 see. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. I remember how it ended up. Um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, what else did you play? Well, then?
2: I regrettably, I had one more game I had signed up for, but it was it was nine o'clock on Sunday morning after we had done the uh, epic game, if mm-hmm. you will. I I was barely conscious at nine thirty. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I I pretty much I pretty much nearly died on that one. Yeah, but that was the, those those are the only game official games I was involved in. However, I was involved in your Candlewick Manor. Okay, do well, you want to talk about? Yeah, that? Yeah, let's now? talk about because that's Candle-
1: sort of like what I was going to mention next. Um, Candlewick Manor, of course, is a setting for monsters and other childish things. This is actually ri- written by the 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 game's creator Ben uh, Bao. Mm-hmm. and uh, it's basically imagine Edward Gorey, the Adams Family a series of unfortunate events and the x men cuz you're all like playing orphans who are banned in this weird 1930s town called Candlewick and you're at the Candlewick Manor which is an orphanage run by this very rich eccentric old guy and you all have these creepy skills so like you know uh you could have the Insmith look like That's your I had, yeah. like i had six peregrines and they all have different abilities like one could uh draw make drawings come to life you know his little crayon drawings, and uh, one had
2: like some Invader Zim spider legs yeah, out of his
1: back. Yeah, and those are the six pregens in the book. And then, of course, since Tom was sort of playing unofficially, I had seven players for this game, which was kind of ridiculous, but uh, uh, it worked. It worked very well. I was very pleased with it because uh, the way Candlewick it runs differently than in normal monsters. You don't start out with a monster, um, and you don't start out with any relationships. You start out with what they call echoes. Do you want to explain echoes? uh essentially it 's flashbacks to your past right, and these echoes you just write down something some sort of sensory input, like it could be the smell of cigar smoke or taste of ice cream t- taste of ice what did you have uh
2: i oh yeah i had uh i had i had these the smell of the smell of o- ocean air okay was that your only one uh it was that one and uh engine and engine like boat
1: fuel boat fuel okay, so very nautical uh. yeah. Um, and what you do is you invoke any time you're in a scene where you think your character might experience that. You, you can use that to give yourself bonus dice as in uh, monsters, uh, like relationships do in normal monsters. And if they succeed, then you gain uh, illumination dice. And at the end of the scene, you roll your illumination dice, and if you you succeed, you you have a revelation. You learn something about you, remember something about yourself. Other, but if you fail, you keep the illumin, illumination dice, mm, and they dice, build up, and they build up until eventually you have a revelation. And um, so, tell us about the first encounter. Like, uh, lead us through the scenario since you you actually played well,
2: it. Well, okay, but I, I remember we. Uh, the, it was the bus ride there, and of course, the bus ride is great. Where. Once again, a group of awesome players, so yeah. we're all absolutely in character. Yeah. I mean, that, totally. That, that,
1: that, I think, was... I th- uh, it's too bad Andy wasn't there. I think you yeah. would have really loved the uh, the sheer amount of role-playing. Cause, I mean, I, we had some more PPR listeners, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had some... Yeah, they were. I, I don't have their names off the top of my head, but yeah.
2: Anyways. But, you know, we, like, I, 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 I just affected a German accent because I thought it was fun. Yeah. And uh, but everyone was in characters back and forth, just going up against each other beautifully. And but you know the first encounter was we were told yeah you know, we were sent to what we thought were our rooms, but we couldn't like we didn't have any beds. Like you can't do that until you go find something, retrieve something from the boathouse. Right now, uh, just to give you a little insight, I didn't write up an encounter for this or a
1: scenario. What I did is on the on walk over because we were at, actually at the. Um, um at a building a couple blocks away from the main convention the center
2: the union uh, union station union station by the way all your games were in the or often in the boonies on this place yeah yeah they
1: were all all of arc dreams events were at the same room at the same at union station which was quite annoying let me tell you but um I, I digress uh on the way over i thought of the first initial encounter i'd read the 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 npcs earlier and one of them stood out was wisteria wisteria was this uh teenage girl uh who was uh the orphanage's owner's daughter and she was very spoiled and she hated the orphans she was so what I figured is she would get, put them on a snipe hunt, you know, go out mm-hmm. and find something useless and bring it back to me otherwise haha you can't be orphan since they're just little kids they're like, okay, we'll do that because yeah, so. everything an adult says is gospel, yeah or a teenager, and so they go off to the lake to
2: get an anchor from the boathouse and then and when we get there. A sea, a sea monster attacks the boathouse. Yeah, and you know it's it's a boathouse that's on the water itself. So the whole boathouse is pulled away from the shore into the middle of this lake, where when we have to, then we then we then have to get back to the shore. Yeah, and all kinds of different things were tried. Yeah, I had the I had the Insmith look, so I had gills, so I just swam underwater all the way back. <laughs> yeah um i think the thing is
1: uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to posting the actual play because i think it really shows how everyone worked together and everyone came up with all these different ideas and what the monster wasn't actually i didn't stat it out as a monster i stated well there's a great thing in one uh one roll engine games where you can represent a threat with a, a threat pool which is basically a dice pool and that you roll it and uh then the players have to re- they any successful actions reduced dice from mm. that pool. So I had like a 15-dice pool. It was a big freaking sea monster. And it could do all kinds of nasty things. But every player... Or no, the players had to get 15 dice worth of successes in order to get to shore Mm -hmm. and uh so they could you know paralyze the monster they could start jump on a boat to get away uh they could try and talk the monster out of it they can call up ghosts from the lake to paralyze it so everyone literally i don't think there was a single player who didn't contribute in some Mm -hmm. way except for you but you know you were basically you're
2: like haha i got sure i
1: picked the right skills well
2: i was all like i i can get out of this i don't yeah, know what exactly. the hell's wrong with you people so
1: everyone had a, i think it worked it was a really great encounter i mean i i, I sort of improvised the, the i had the basic setup in mind but everyone really threw in and i thought it was a really great opening action scene and then um so then the the the, the staff of the orphanage finds you guys it brings you back and then
2: and anyway, we go through we go through the first dinner of the place to given the tour mm mm-hmm. mhm and uh, I forget what you know. So well, we we did we did a few things after that.
1: Uh, you did like uh, uh, you had your first day, and you started exploring Candlewick. And oh yeah, we went, yeah we went to the town. Yeah, and uh, the way it works is a few players had illumination or revelations about their past, and I gave one of them uh, a relationship to the town drunk. And one to Father uh Magomil, who has actually who's so handsome, he mesmerizes people with his uh handsomeness and uh so the players sort of started investigating him, trying to figure out what his de- deal is and um so was, there's was a lot of great role playing in there and they sort of sort of got the idea I think of what candlewick is like is you start out and your your characters are blank slates and then they start building all these links all these connections to other uh, NPCs in the uh, to all the NPCs in the town. Every NPC in the town is described mm-hmm. and described in such a way that you can set them as bad guys, good guys and you know, or just guys or or people, yeah. Um or I mean some are worse than others like the the town butcher is this woman who seduces men and then you know butchers them for you know meats yeah so uh ooh spoiler alert oh uh, no um, so i think any other thing but
2: it, mainly we have that one you know big interaction was great but the whole rest was just everyone 100% in character bouncing back and f- bouncing off of each other beautifully yeah
1: i i don't think i've had a a, a group that big work so well I mean, it was really. We were were in sync totally. Uh, Everyone pitched in. Everyone was great. No one tried to steal the show. Yeah, and everyone had their own little time to shine. I think everyone had. Even you, uh, you were a little. um, I can't. I can't remember what you did specifically, but I'm sure you. You had some moments where you you contributed. So, Uh, yeah. So that was Candlewick. Um, What else? You you demoed some some games. Yeah,
2: I demoed a few games that. Yes, I'm a horrible person that I can't remember the names of them. Then again, these were this was just me wandering around the dealer room, just more killing time before a game. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have my bag with me, mm-hmm. and Andy was with me. He was Like, dude, you want to try out some indie games? Like, yeah. Okay. So we there was one. It was kind of a sci-fi game that it. I mean, the backstory. I mean, the guy described the backstory more than we actually played. Right. And it was done with dice pools, where we just went through this one brief scene of trying to bluff our way past a guard, which uh, you know you. Roll some dice, and he has his own dice pool, he rolls against you, like, well, I still don't, I'm not with believing burning you. Burning
1: Empire, perhaps? Eh. Burning?
2: No. Yeah. Shock? 316? I don't know. Way to go, Tom. It was fun. <laughs> the, other one, the other one we did was, I believe it was, uh, it was like, I think it was like Serial Homicide, I think is what it was called. Serial Homicide. Don't quote me on that. Okay. But it's, it's all done with uh, headphones, like a CD that mm-hmm. plays, you know, like, a serial killer is stalking the streets okay and we played a very abridged version of it where like, all the players around it you choose like one person chooses the forensics guy or yeah there's a psychic investigator and like you're like you all like, like like roll a dice if you get a this number you get a clue write this clue down and then and then put it into the clue pool okay so we we had a game that you know it was over in like five minutes we're like dude we found the killer that's it like Actually, th- actually, this is like this is like one percent of the entire C- the entire actual CD. I see. He says it actually it actually has scene after scene after scene. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So uh, fun, yes, Yay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We enjoyed it. it. You didn't buy it though, did you? It was like thirty bucks, oh. and uh, I, I this I, this was the first day I just paid for the hotel, and apparently my card has a fifteen hundred dollar a day limit so i couldn't spy anything else that until it cleared ah well that was your... okay um
1: all right so the 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 last game i ran i think was uh, sucrose park
2: that was I've sunday been, morning i've been in this
1: one before yeah um, and the thing was, like Sunday morning, I was dead. Like, uh,
2: yeah, I we were all we all were. Yeah,
1: well, I especially. So I was more tired than you.
2: No, I, I, dude, I was, I did the exact same thing Saturday night. You did. Yeah, but I was running. I,
1: I had built up more fatigue throughout the day through running events. And, is this
2: just a pissing contest of who was more
1: exhausted? I guess I, that's really dumb, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, we were both. So, tired anyways, I barely. I got there late, uh, but I had a full group again. And uh, Sucrose Park so they had three kids, three monsters. And they all picked the pre-gens are out of the main monsters book. And they go to this theme park to figure out what's going on. That there's, you know, this bad guy who's stealing, kidnapping kids and replacing them with robot duplicates. And so they start uh going about you know figuring out what to do uh but i think think it's on the spot i decide that there's some juggalos who are going to give them some shit so like 14 year old juggalos who you're basically posers like they've never even smoked a joint but that yeah 420 hardcore for reals yeah yeah weird old school in the
2: face in your face in your
1: face yeah and uh, the players befriended them, and then watched them as they were, you know, kidnapped and turned into robot duplicates, and oh, whatever. And uh, <laughs> so they uh, destroyed the evil bad guy behind uh, uh, all the things, and uh, then the evil brain. Well, he, anyways, I don't spoil anything, but they they had a blast for it, and I think there are some RPR listeners. In fact, one of them, um, I think his username is uh, Big Zach or Big Bigznak. Uh, Big Knack uh, on the RPPR forums uh, actually had printed out and uh, bound a copy of the new World Primer had me autograph it. So, oh, ho, ho! I
2: know. I'm Mr. internet famous now. I would have... So. Like- I could have been there, and I, I helped, too. Yeah, a you could have
1: been there, but you weren't. You were, I was doing my own thing. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, okay. Well, now you know. Um, so, of course, though, those so those are the games we, we sort of all ran. But the big one we both played in, I think the big the thing that everyone's going to be looking forward to when we post it, win. Huh, when, or if I ever decide to, because uh, I hold the power. You will. Yeah, I know. Was it uh, 12 hours? Uh, it was, if it's... Over eleven hours, it probably close to twelve. So it's like the first session was at least five and a half hours, and then the last second one second
2: session was equally long.
1: Well, I we had several breaks, so you know, I, I couldn't keep track. But yeah, close to probably twelve hours is what I'm guessing. Uh, broken over two nights, uh, Call of Cthulhu, World War One, U Boat Scenario run by Adam Scott
2: Glancy, a pagan publishing. And I'm gonna tell you I'm just gonna say Role playing doesn't get much better than that. Seriously, <laughs> it, it really doesn't. Ridiculous.
1: It was me, Tom, um, let's see here. Uh Greg Stoles again. Mm-hmm. Then there was uh, First night Shane Ivey, uh, publisher. But then, of course, he realized he had a booth to run and, you know... Yeah, he
2: couldn't handle that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he had business. He had work to do. He had work to do, unlike us. Well, I had work to do, too, but, you know, whatever. Frivolous work. Um, then there was uh, Hans Reiner, I think, uh, the eh, German. He was, he was also in the Zeppelin game. He was. Sadly. And uh, and then there was Frank Frey, who uh, is a historical war game designer. He's actually... Uh, written for Twilight, uh, I looked him up. Uh, Twilight two thousand and, uh, and Vampire. So we had game designers for like everyone but Tom. So uh, yeah, German guy. He, I'm in an aspi- a spot, and
2: I'm am aspiring. So
1: yeah, so a game with run by and played by nothing but history buffs and game designers.
2: I and I am a history buff. Yeah. So
1: I really think I need to get at least like one college credit for attending. Yeah, that game. I think you because. Uh, it, it was it was pretty insane to have a level of when gear- you
2: ask like the simple question of can I take the Maxim with me? Yeah. And like, well, see, it, it doesn't have, it, you know, it has like this. Well, this, this model
1: does, has a pintle mount, so you can't really, doesn't that, we, you, the U boat wouldn't even have a tripod to carry it with. And blah, blah, and blah, like, blah, blah. It's blah. like
2: all the weapons are stored in this part of the ship and yeah. this
1: kind of container. And have this many rounds and this many stick grenades, but you also have shuttling charges, which is, which is the, it's not C4, it's a different type of plastic explosive. And, um,.
2: Let's see. And then of course then you know Frank would jump in. Actually, I, mean, I believe the first model of that weapon was actually called this. <laughs> and, like, so, and this is from like and like and, like these uniforms are from the Battle of Trafalgar. Ha <laughs>
1: So old. And uh uh well yeah, I shoot a can like um highlights for me, obviously. I played uh, part of the gun deck crew and um because you, boat guns got One- yeah, gun skills, that's yeah, done. Yeah. U boats in that era had uh cannons on them because they deck gr- guns deck guns. Um. So you would come up and shoot the hell out of a ship.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, which we learned, torpedoes were actually considered bad. You know, unsporting. Yeah. The well, normal. The normal thing is to get them to you know abandon ship. You know to pull alongside them, point your deck gun at them, and say we're going to inspect your ship, and if any war materials found. The ship is, you know, the ship is evacuated and the ship is scuttled.
1: I think it's more of a matter of logistics and the fact you only have ten torpedoes on the U-boat and you had 160 rounds for the cannon and uh, quite a and few it, but, more. Know, was, but we
2: learned it was mostly boarding actions.
1: Yeah. So um, what we did is uh, obviously the the you, the first thing we did, of course, um, we went, you know, from our uh, uh, went on patrol. So
2: and I gotta say, okay, I love the part where before anything scary happened. Yeah, he we we just had like, all right, I'm just gonna let you actually encounter a ship target and you'll go through the process of sinking it. Yeah, so we do. We I'm playing the hydrophone operator. Yeah, with a wicked, wicked cool listen check. So we you know find a ship, line it up, do all the rolls, hit the torch, hit the ship twice, you know, cause it to sink, and the Hans, the German guy, was he was the only other officer PC. So the captain's like, would you like to look through the periscope? And I love it. He says, sure, it looks through. Like, give me a sand check. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Which was, okay, it was, the ship was transporting horses. Yeah. And there, one, you see a horse leap off the ship and crash into one of the lifeboats and break it in half. Yeah. And then, then Scott had to, that's
1: based on fact. That actually happened. And like, I'm like... You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, I'm even more horrified than I ever was before because... World War 1 was even more horrific than I ever thought and that and I knew it was pretty fucking horrific. So So uh, uh
2: yeah. Our like my soul is crushed. I am full of fear <laughs> and, and <laughs> loathing.
1: Wow, even even the U-boats, even the naval stuff was really 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 you know, dark and
2: yeah. Then of course after that we get into the scary shit. Yeah. And which then came upon Ross's finest moment.
1: Yeah, this was like apparently I, it's a first well, obviously a personal period for me and apparently uh uh uh, very rare for any Call of Cthulhu to get to fire a cannon in, 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 as part of a game. And so I fired the deck cannon and hit it with two out of three shots, uh, the ship that we were trying to catch up to. Like, we were going, it's a merchant ship, um, that wouldn't that, pull over for us. Which is actually, like, that's weird. Yeah. So, uh, we open fire on it, I shoot two into the, uh, uh, the aft of the ship. Uh. The stern. The stern, I'm sorry. And, uh. Both are correct. I get to roll damage for it, so I do like 90 points of damage on average with each shot, so uh, that's a lot. And, appa- and uh, apparently ship merchant ships to there had wooden interior walls, so it caught on fire, which apparently I, I did not know. I didn't, now you do. Yeah, now I know that...
2: And uh, um, they, they finally started to abandon ship and row toward us. Yeah. And... Anyone who's ever played Call of Cthulhu, they're wearing Insmith clothes. Yeah, the rain—you know, the rain jackets, the you know, the, hat, the big hats. Yeah, in August. In August. In the
1: Mediterranean. Yeah. So. And
2: I think one of the best moments is you know we're demanding you know disarm. Yeah. And we they start seeing guns and pistols start being thrown over the side. Yeah. But they keep getting closer. The more the more uneasy we get. And then I think they one of them tries to use magic on the uh, captain of the sub twice. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But the captain managed to survive. Apparently, the previous playtest, uh, the captain passed out, and everything everyone lost their shit. And apparently, it was a very brutal affair for PC and thing. Mm-hmm. But... Fortunately for us, we're paranoid enough
2: that we have experienced Call of Cthulhu players enough. <laughs> that we guess.
1: have them stay a hundred yards away from the ship, so they're kind of just sitting ducks for Mister Maxim, which, which I'm, you were manning. Yeah, and it, it got kind of ridiculous at a certain point. It's like, can I just roll once because he had me like, how many fire? I'm gonna fire two rounds at ten guys, and it's
2: like, okay, or two, like well, a, a burst. Yeah, 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 spray. And, and uh, yeah. has anyone anyone who's seen the last few the last few minutes of uh, the fourth Rambo movie? <laughs> That's what we were doing. To them to the deep one hybrid. Oh, I got
1: an impale. Oh, I hit with both rounds. Yeah, don't roll. Yeah, you're,
2: you're turning you're turning those rowboats
1: into lunch meat. I think I wound up killing 16 or 17 out of the like 28 that were on the two boats. So uh yeah, that was uh, that was pretty satisfying. Um, <laughs> although I think Scott got a, a little overboard with the hit locations. I mean, we like, if I hit a guy with two rounds at the maximum, or one even one round, I, do I really need to know where I hit him? But
2: yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> apparently so. So uh, that was uh, quite entertaining. Um, yeah. And then uh, we go in there and we find out that they're up to all kinds of shenanigans. They have a bunch of orphans in their hold, you know, children,
2: children, which. Uh, the, so we go to this fun, neutral Spanish port. It's an island. Yeah, it's an island. And Middle I'm of the not front. even going to go into the history of this island. Yeah, we,
1: we know all about the culture and the history of the island.
2: So yeah, we drop the orphans off, and actually we have a big media coup for yeah, w- yeah. World War I. Uh, and that session ended, the first session ended with, we're just leaving the island, and I'm going through the uh, Deep Ones notes and realizing that the drop-off point, that they were going to drop these orphans off... Was the island we just dropped them off on? Yeah, on the other side of the island. So, uh,
1: yeah, we the second session we go to the town, find out what's going on, all and, kinds of shenanigans, and that's
2: when I have my
1: big moment. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah,
2: I uh, actually convinced the entire police force of this village to help us assault this place on the other side of the island to get the children back. Yeah, and uh, I, I did some good roles. Apparently, it was in rare form. Yeah, no,
1: you you did. You had the, the you had the languages and the persuasion to back it up. So yeah,
2: and kudos uh, to you. Not to reveal everything that happened, you should listen to the actual plays when they're <laughs> up. It was a
1: pretty epic assault. I mean, yes, it was. It was. I was very tired at the end, but I was like, wow, this. The way it, the scenario set up, it is like the the springboard for a whole campaign. Like. Um, honestly, like, like a later
2: a post war thing where you go well, back or, or any
1: number of anything, yeah. yeah. So, it is something I would recommend highly to anyone uh, whenever that book comes <laughs> out. Basically, Hell they're yeah. gonna do a whole episode like, Oh my god, we finally have it after three years. uh oh, let me rub it all like, over. I'm, I'm, it smells delicious, <laughs> yes. It smells like victory a dig to victory. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, this was uh, the scenario is called U Boat. Or, uh, uh, Harus or something. Yeah, like. Harus, something like that. I have it written down. I don't. I don't have it off the top of my head. So that is something for you, the RPPR listeners, to look forward to.
2: It's uh, gonna be. It's twelve hours, but damn. Yeah, I am definitely gonna break that up in two parts. I'll probably just do it like part one and part two. Yeah,
1: probably because that it, it. Wow, just wow. Yeah, wow. Anyway, so uh, those were our games. Those were the uh, things that we played. I literally did not have time to do anything else. Like, I ran seven games and I played in that. And I literally was eat, sleep, game. Like, run games. I ran a total game for like seven games for a total of 38 people. So, uh. Heavy, heavy shit. That was insane. Next year, I'm not going to do six games. <laughs> that was like, I can do that, but I, I kind of want to do other things. Because so I, I didn't get it. Unfortunately, I did not get any interviews in. So, uh, hopefully when I go to Dragon Con, I'll be able to yeah. get
2: some in. But, so. dude, there's just too much shit going on. Yeah.
1: Um. Anyway, uh, what else did we did? Uh, we did buy some crap. Well, we yes, it's, stuff. Yeah,
2: it's not just a gaming convention; it's a bazaar. It's a great big market of game crap.
1: Yeah. So, uh, uh, do you want to go first, Tom? Or sure. Just... Okay. I
2: uh, I've now recompleted my collection of of mutants and mastermind stuff by getting the uh, mecha and Ma- Ma- mecha and manga expansion to uh, mutants and masterminds. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be using this. I'm really not into the whole mech thing, but Aaron picked it up and he is he's like looking at it like Yeah. Well, have you had a chance to read yes, it? Yes, I have. Well, it, tell us
1: about it. What are your impressions? Well, Give us a
2: review. It's not even really it's it's more manga than me- they cover everything they do in anime. There's, you know, giant robots, the pet monsters, the, you know, the sword fighting ninjas, the Dragon Ball Z martial arts guys. Everything's in there, showing how to do it, you know, where to put them in. How to, you know, should you use them with your ongoing campaign, or should you do a completely different campaign based on it? So I mean, it's a pretty small book, but it really goes into a lot of detail on the stuff if you want to run an anime game. Does it, does, does
1: does the power level of the does it go over nine nine thousand? Does it? It does. Oh my fucking, fucking god! god. All right, uh, internet jokes. All right, cool. Um, let's see. One of the my biggest purchase, I think, was uh, Eclipse Phase, which is transhumanist sci-fi horror, uh, brand new RPG from Catalyst Game Labs. Uh, they do Shadowrun and BattleTech. I flipped and, through that thing. Uh, that shit's in- tech. that shit's involved. That is. It's a very high concept game. Now, if you don't know what transhumanism is, it's the idea. It's a uh, the philosophy movement towards uh, digitizing our minds. Uh, post uh, singularity, artificial intelligence. Um, what's that webcomic that does that? Uh, Aaron Diaz does it. Uh, Dresden Kodak. Um, so, in this, the basic, in a nutshell, um, several hundred years in the future, uh, AI is called the Titans. Military AIs, basically go all Skynet on humanity, mm-hmm. wipe out ninety-five percent of humanity. You know, the other five percent escape. Like Earth turns into a dead zone. You know, no go. It' bad uh all of the rest of the 500 million people left in humanity live on uh, everywhere from the mars to the uh, extra so- they found space gates going to extrasolar uh systems you know outside mm. the solar system so you know space you know space habitats now the so that's but the Titans disappeared after they wrecked everyone's shit up. So nobody knows. Everybody's paranoid. No one, like, uh, seed AIs, what they call self-improving mm-hmm. AIs, are outlawed. Although you can have human intelligence AIs, you know. sapient just not, like, you know, getting better and better, um... No no geometric learning exactly now uh, it has all kinds of sci fi stuff uplifted animals, all kinds of uh, you know augmented reality mesh. download your mind yeah, in yeah. a
2: robot body uh, well
1: that 's the main thing. The main thing is that uh, the mind and body for a character are separate, like you have the ego which is your mind, and your morph, which is your current body. Now you can sleeve your body into uh, your mind into a new body so you can be. A normal human you could be in a normal human body, you can be in a you know awesome animal, robot, super cyborg type body. Um, there are all these different shells that you or
2: body types that you can. And it's really hard to die.
1: Yeah, basically everyone now is immortal, since everyone has their f- mind... F- almost everyone. There are people like, uh, oh, bioconservatism! Uh, ah, you guys are Frankensteins! Uh! Ah. So, uh, that's sort of obligatory, I think, mm. to have reactionary people in the sci-fi. So basically, the idea, the basic idea is that, um, uh, you find out that your uh, The AIs went rogue. The Titans went rogue because of an extraterrestrial intelligence. The ETI. And you don't know what it is, but... It's out there. And it caused this uh, thing called the exurgent virus, which basically wrecks everyone's shit up. Mm -hmm. And so you're a member of an organization called Firewall dedicated to protecting humanity from what they call existential threats. Existential threats are things that could wipe out the remaining 500 million people. You know, like if the Titans came back. If there's some leftover bit of the exurgent virus flares up. And these are the viruses are self-improving, always changing, adapting so imagine event horizon dead space uh, probably pandorum whenever that movie mm-hmm. comes out uh sci-fi horror where your mind can be plugged into anybody um it's very hard to kill you because you can back up your mind like in any piece of software but if you get corrupted by vi- by virus you know you're basically you could be fucked um so it's very very high concept. There's a lot to absorb as a to run it. There's probably a lot to absorb to play it. It's based on a percentile system. Um, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like Call of Cthulhu. So I really like it. It's really it's a really cool read. I have no idea how I'm going to run it so far, but I know you want to play it.
2: Yes, I do. Yeah.
1: Um, so I'm basically at some point you, there will be an actual play of it. I will run at least a couple of sessions of it, um, but I, I need to. Spend some time to really absorb, because the book—the only flaw of the book that I can see so far—is that it does not have an opening scenario, which I think with this is it such needs. a high-concept thing, it really needs. Because you read it, you're like, "Wow, this is awesome! Oh, this is great! What the fuck am I gonna do with this shit?" Because I mean, like, how do you get your players? Like, your mind is separate from your body. You live in space, no faster than light travel, except from space gates, aliens titan ai's go yeah it's like holy shit what am i gonna do you know it's uh it's a lot to absorb so yeah. um yeah that's my biggest purchase that it yeah. premiered at Gen con i, I they only sent it like 25 a day although i think it's out now i think you can get it for you can buy it now for money yeah. oh one last thing it's creative commons which uh means you can uh uh use it and as long as you don't make money off of it, like you can copy the text and use it for your own purposes or the images or all kinds of stuff. So uh, that's very, very cool. Very transhumanist of them. Yeah. 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 So uh, that is, I think the first creative commons major RPG release. I'm not sure, but it's very, very cool. I would yeah. recommend it to everyone. Just even if you're not going to run it, it, there's so much shit in it. It's hard not to find something in a modern or sci-fi game that you would like, Oh, I want this. This is neat. So exactly.
2: Anyway, I also bought a game called Shard, which is uh, anthropomorphic animals, in a fantasy setting, but the player that this one took it and said, alright, we're going to have the uh, the anthropomorphic animals, a fantasy setting, and then everything else we're going to make, like, we're going to try to make like, you've never seen this shit before, you will not, like, this shit, like, this, none of this will be familiar to you, you're going to have to read this shit and learn it, because every single thing in there, there's no, no there's no just generic fantasy and everything is like foreign has a weird theme you know everything like every name of everything in this book from every plant every animal every continent the world is a very it's a hard to pronounce foreign kind of foreign sounding name where you really like you better if you're going to run this you have a lot of shit to learn but kind of like that game you talked about well, are there any, like, really, like,
1: high-concept things, like, you know...
2: It well, it's like, like, the, like, the world itself isn't solid. It's, like, it's spherical, but it's made of chunks that are held together with whatever. No one knows what they're held but there's, like, great huge gaps in the world. And it's... And, you know, apparently the big opening story suggests that the animals, the humanoid animals, came from a human starship eons ago... You know that dropped them off on the planet, and they you know took over, and you it's there's there's so much shit in there that is just not what you would consider. You know you can't just you know be a, like I play D and D, so I know fantasy. No, you don't. This is a book I'm still reading it, trying to get it all down. Are there any, like, new mechanics or, like, uh, uh, character
1: types? I mean, is it, like, swords and sorcery type of thing? Swords or? and
2: sorcery. Magic. All magic is ritual. There's no spell lists and just spells. Okay. Uh, there's, like, it's, you know, they've got, you know, gunpowder, you know, early gunpowder weapons, magical. Uh, and there's no metal. Nothing is metal in this game. Everything is either a crystalline or got or gotten from an organic source, like wood or sap, amber, stuff like that.
1: Okay. So, would you recommend it or
2: I would from what I've seen up to now, I've got about, I think I've got about 45 to 50% of it down. From what I got, when it's a bit I've read, I do recommend it to anyone who likes a good fantasy game. Okay. What about the mechanics if you had a chance to play it out? That's one of the among the 50% I'm still trying okay. to get down.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um Let's see here. I picked up a couple of zombie games. I know this is going to be shocking to you. I picked up uh, John Wick's new Shotgun Diaries, a zombie survival horror RPG. It's got a, a very novel approach to it. It's in a composition notebook h- held together with a rubber band. All the pages are loose leaf and they're all torn at the edges, so it looks like you know you, you ripped it from someone's diary, so mm-hmm. it's shotgun diary. Uh, very rules light. There's only like 16, 20 pages worth of material. Um, all based on rolling d sixes, and uh, you know, kind of indie RPG, like very kind of clever game mechanics. Um, I look forward to running. It's so definitely a game you could run as a pickup game. Like it's much simpler than All Flesh Must Be. Eaten. It's like, you pick a type of survivor. Like you're fast, or you're strong, or you're the guy with the guns. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh seems very cool. So uh, that, and then the other game I got is the Zombie Cinema Story game, which comes in a little VHS box, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, with some cards, uh, dice and rules, and I haven't really read the rules yet, I haven't had time, but, uh, again, it looks like more of a board game kind of thing, and it looks, uh, like it would be another kind of fun, easy to pick up, uh, sort of game to run on an off day, so, uh, hopefully I can have a more detailed review when I get a chance to run it for reels. All right. So, or play it. Um, what about you, The the
2: only other thing really worth of note that I got was from, uh, it was the, uh, the kind of zombies type game from Pagan Publishing,
1: The Hills Run Wild. The Hills Run
2: Wild, where you're playing. Well, I think it's one of four various factions trying to uncover the Necronomicon, like a ghoul group, a Deep One group, a cultist group, and a uh, weird fucked up monster group. I forget which one what it is, but it's kind of you know you, you know all the all the locations, it's cards and you know basically basically like playing the playing the zombies game. So I haven't had a chance to play it yet because I'm trying to, you know, need to find the right group that wants to play it. But I'll definitely give a more in-depth review once I've actually played it. Yeah. Um, I
1: did get a couple other things. One, I got a copy, uh, review copy of uh Hobocon, which is a DVD documentary uh, about three guys who decided to go to Gen Con last year, Gen Con 08, with no money, no plan, and uh, see how they survive. So, like, apparently, like, they sleep on in closets, uh, you know, on the floor, there's just, you know, no food, and uh, it, it, it's a very novel concept. I like the idea of it, and the apparently the guys who make it are RPPR fans. So, awesome! Yeah. So we will uh, both watch it and give it a full review. Uh, you know, it deserves a full review, uh, um, but, um, so that's very cool, and uh, we'll have a link up for this episode you can take a look at if, if that sounds like something you would be interested in. Um, what else did I get? I got, oh, uh, Wizards of the Coast, uh, Dragon Magazine Annual, uh, number one, which is, Dragon, you know, is now only online through the DDI online subscription thing, um, but they called the best articles from the first year of it, and put it on, on in a book, and, I don't have the DDI description or uh, subscription. Mine ran out, so uh, and I never really looked at Dragon Magazine, but I really like having a book with these best artic- articles. Uh, they have a kobold section. The first one is about kobolds, like uh, they have a really great thing. Like if the kobold manages to bring someone to zero hit points, roll this. It's like a kobold battle cry, like what mm-hmm. they would do. Um, one through ten, nothing happens. Eleven. Uh, the kobold gives a speech, giving all the kobolds near him plus five hit points, and uh, uh, then oh wait, uh, thirteen. Uh, uh, my my victory was entirely accidental. All, he, the kobold hides in the body of the guy he just <laughs> killed, so he takes himself from the battlefield. So all the events are random, but it's a way of spicing up a kobold right. uh, uh, battle. And then they have new, and then they have uh, the Ashen Covenant, which is a. Uh, Undead Orcus-controlled faction, uh, very cool. Then they have a big old section on gladiator fighting, arena fighting, uh, new feats for that. Uh, playing the Shadow Car uh, as a race, uh, Dom Piers, uh, half vampires, and um, all kinds of neat things. So awesome. uh, if you're running a game, I would recommend it because there's just a lot of it's a it's a it's a potpourri. It's a it's, it's a, layers
2: upon layers. It's layers upon layer. It's a rich tapestry of Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's a KFC it's it's a KFC famous bowl of stuff. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. uh yeah that, that's a great image there tom um
1: i also picked up damnation city uh white wolf uh new world of darkness um v- vampire oriented but could work anything it's basically how to be a city movie movie and shaker how to make a city all kinds of different locations in the city npcs um it's just a lot of you look at uh, open up a random page like oh this is neat oh okay
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: so um very very neat stuff um and finally, secret. Oh wait, no, two more things. Uh, Secrets of Mesoamerica. Uh, the,
2: uh, we we already talked about yeah, that.
1: It's a it's a great book. I haven't had time to read the other scenarios, but I've been reading a little bit about the history. It has a very good detailed history about you know the Mayans, the Olmecs. Great art from Blair Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Um, I would and then just. Honestly, the wall of sacrifices is worth it alone. It's a perfect convention scenario. It's it's quick Short and it's quick and bloody, it, and it, re, it, it punishes bad thinking. I would say, but yeah, it, it, it's a it's it's a great scenario. Then finally, I got Grim War, which is a new. Uh, setting for Wild Talents. It's written by Greg Stolls and Ken Height, and it's basically set in the modern day era where mutant powers and magic have popped up, and it's like dark and uh, very, very kind of like a new approach to superheroes Whoa. or superpowers. So uh, it's uh, very cool. Um, I haven't had time to really absorb it yet, but, uh, I'll have more reports later. I really like Wild Talents. Oh, wait! I totally forgot one of the games I ran. Hmm. Uh, Age of Masks. I ran it for Wild Talents. It was actually my first ah. game of Wild Talents ever that I've ran. I never ran it for you guys, because I was running Mutants and Masterminds right. for the Age of Masks. And kind of similar plot line. Um, had one of the RPPR listeners in there. I think, uh, uh, he left one of his D20s behind. <laughs> um... But, uh, it was, uh, uh, I had the players there, they were investigating the murder of another vigilante, and they uncovered the truth behind what was going on, why they all had powers, and why they could all do things normal people couldn't, and, and you, you know how the Age of Mass. is. I yeah. do. It's, uh, uh, pretty, I, I think, I didn't end it quite as, I th- ended it differently, I got, but, uh. It was definitely a very fun game, and I like Wild Talents. It's um, it's takes a little getting used to because it's it's you know superheroes. You can build your powers. You do whatever you want, but uh, right, very cool. So, anyways, um, let's see here. I think the only thing left is uh, uh really our lessons learned, or and then you of course your anecdotes. So
2: uh, yeah, really lessons learned is shop around for a hotel first. Yeah
1: um you can go do like in february do the block like register early so you can do the block you can get the discount like they they set aside blocks of rooms at a discount so maybe next year you can get a room at the western for 100 bucks a night instead of
2: 300 yeah 300
1: wow
2: one was uh another one yeah eat light but often
1: yeah um that's that's key it's just like you it's a marathon event it's an endurance contest and you have to keep take care of yourself you really have to take care of yourself in this. Uh, uh, you you can't just ignore your own body. You can't just, like, oh, man it out. Ugh. No, like, for me, I what I did is I, I prepared by buying a lot of food ahead of time and eating it there. Like, I bought uh, nuts, peanut butter, jelly, uh, granola. bread, granola bars, lots of granola bars, uh, Tic Tacs, my you know, breath clean, or, you know, smelling nice, and uh, you're not smelling like ass, basically, <laughs> and, uh... Um, and then lots of uh, stuff to... Oh, Ricola uh, to keep Lozenges. My, yeah, lozenges. Like, that was very useful because I was running so many damn games. Um, so I kept... I, I kept And drinks, like water and uh, Dr. Pepper to, that, to wake up with and water to have something to drink. Hydration. Yeah, hydration is key. It's key. Um, so definitely bring your own food up there. Like, maybe not everything, but enough to keep you going because you, like... What you really want to avoid, the absolute main thing you want to avoid above all, is convention hall food, like uh, the actual food they sell at the exhibition hall. Not good. No, you do not want that crap. You do not want that. So, uh, and the other restaurants, that's fine. I mean,
2: but uh, um, well, that's part, of the, that's, part of the trip is I like to enjoy some of the, some of downtown Indy too.
1: Well, I mean, it's not like world renowned cuisine. No, though. it's
2: not. But it's still fun. Yeah. Well um shut up it's
1: overpriced it's gonna be bar food or fast food and you're gonna wait a long time for it like the subway we waited fucking forever for that didn't we like i never of, i never went there oh wait yeah me I and learned, jason I, yeah waited like half an hour for some uh subway and uh you, do you really want to wait half an hour for that but I that's mean, why i didn't go yeah so um have your own food ready and uh and bring and an audio book Bring an audiobook for the thing. Uh, and, like, for me, I'll, I'll just give a couple lessons on... Uh, or tips for running a convention game. Running a convention game is 90... Like, ha- being prepared. And what I did beforehand... Here's what I did. is I had a folder for each game. And what i do in one pocket, I'd have my scenario notes, everything I'd have written for it. Uh, and the other hand, I'd have all the pre-gens. And so i just pull that out, uh, grab that before i go, and then, you know, when you get to the table pull it out, you know, here's stack up regions, fight amongst yourselves, I don't <laughs> care. Let the blood flow. Yeah, and then I'd set up the recorder, the the H2 recorder, and I would uh, pass out postcards, get names and sign-ups, you know, if you're going to, well, podcasts, you I mean, obviously. Right, you know. right. Um, And then just be ready to run it, you know, right from the get-go. I think uh, convention goers, they don't want the Star Wars experience where no. uh, you have someone who's totally unprepared, unprepared uh, uh, to go, so be ready to uh, improvise quite a bit and, uh, you know, don't, don't follow, uh, the script too much, but have your notes and your pre ready, like have everything separate, have everything ready to just pull out at a moment's notice and, um, keep, ch- keep care of your throat, you know, have those lozenges handy and, uh, keep yourself, uh, protect- cause like honestly by that Sunday game, I was dead tired. I
2: barely had the energy to do it. It might have been better that I wasn't since I had to drive back. Yeah.
1: So, um, but I managed to power through it and get through it and I'm glad everyone Mm -hmm. had a good time. So, uh, it kind of woke me up a little bit Uh. once I got in there. And next year I will be running things too. Yeah. So, uh, we will uh, figure that out. So, I think when you're running a con game, just just be prepared. Look at your shit ahead of time. Have your pre gens ready. Have your notes ready. Be ready and
2: to go in a minute and minutes. Yeah, just
1: basically, I would like I would be talking about the game itself and like. Oh, the other thing is when you're running the game. Don't assume the players know the rule set. Like a lot of people will sign up for games they've never played before because they want to try it out. They want to see what it's like. So uh, for every game I did, uh, I had a short one roll engine uh, um, lesson. Lesson, except for the Delta Green games because they're called Cthulhu. But I had the the you know I was like here's you roll matches, you roll sets. You know you're looking for the this is and what they it, this they is picked something. up on it. Yeah. Um, everyone got it pretty quickly. Um, also have more dice than you need, than you need for yourself because you'll no. not everyone will bring their own dice. Um, don't be surprised if some of your dice wander off afterwards. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you're at a convention, there better be somebody selling dice. So just basically have a bunch of dice is what I'm saying. Oh yes. Um, which I kind of actually didn't have. I should have brought a a couple of dice bags worth of stuff. Like I, I I didn't have, I had dice. I just didn't have enough i didn't have more that's the one thing i learned i had enough for me i didn't have enough for everyone else and that, I, I had was, more
2: i had way more like i sh- more.
1: like you should at least have a, a set for yourself and a communal set that you i had way more than i needed yeah um so and then uh, uh be ready to answer questions uh know your material backwards and forwards or at least the rules at least yeah. the,
2: like i didn't have and all I, the
1: wild talents rules memorized i just had the basics rules so i could you know Yeah, keep to that.
2: It's not good when you have to look look through the book for minutes at a time.
1: No, 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 no.
2: That is dead. Like honestly, like for that last game,
1: uh, I was late, and the players like afterwards, they were like, "Oh, I was getting worried because you weren't showing up." And there were like two other GMs there, and they their players didn't show up. So like, uh, but when I showed up, oh, I was so relieved when you showed up there. You had the pre gens ready. You were ready to go, and so that that's that's, they'll remember it. Yeah, exactly. Everyone at my table had a great time at least that they
2: like, and therefore game. the primary goal of gaming is accomplished exactly fun fun exactly
1: so um you know if you're running a game, be at least polite to to do this for the con because you're usually getting some kind of benefit for running at a convention uh even if it's just a free badge or whatever and um, the players will remember a uh, great game, and they'll come back to you. Or you know, they'll, they'll, I have fans. I, I hopefully probably made a couple new fans of uh, RPPR. PPR awesomeness. Um, another thing is also don't be a dick about rules. Like I never re- turned anyone away because they didn't have the right amount of tickets or whatever. Um, I let them like if me got, for instance. Yeah, exactly. You uh, other players. No
2: way. I did. Uh, I did have. Brand, I I generic yeah, yeah. tickets, but, but was, like was, there's like one guy
1: there who had like only one ticket, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to turn you away from a game if you're wanting to play. I am mean, like, whatever, it's a game. And yeah, they they want their tickets and they they have this whole convention around. But you know, don't be it's like, gaming.
2: yeah, exactly. So um, this isn't an elite. This isn't an elite game that only privileged members can join.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Don't like, be. You're, that. you're trying
1: don't to turn it. people onto the yeah. hobby. Don't be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy. So, um, and one other thing is, uh, playtest your shit before you run it at a convention. Like, Age of Masks, I hadn't played Wild Talents before, but I'd played lots of one roll engine games before. So I knew the basic rule set, and I'd run it before ahead of time, and I'd run Age of Masks before, so I knew what I was going to do with that. So even that, the the game I was least familiar with, I still had a pretty good idea. And all the other games I'd run before at least once, if not multiple times, I, I had my shit now what i'm saying exactly um the only scenario i hadn't run before was well of sacrifice and that was like an after hours game
2: and that was a that was like 15 minutes of preparation
1: yeah yeah And i was like while you guys are making characters i'll learn what the fuck this scenario is about so super do-do-do-do-do. um yeah that's actually something i'm gonna have prepared next year is have some scenarios i can run for any spontaneous games uh that might happen so yeah preparation exactly be over prepared um, if you have any other questions about running con games, I'd be happy to provide advice since I've run enough of them now that I feel qualified to talk about any aspect and of And I answer. will try to
2: qualify myself next year. <laughs> uh,
1: so... Yeah, it was a it was GenCon two thousand. It went by in a blur. It was a blast. It was exhausting. It was exhilarating. It was uh, very cool. Uh, men saw a lot of new people. Uh, uh, got some new fans for RPR, I think, and uh, got some cool new games. Uh, next year, I don't think I'll be running quite as many games, um, but. We'll, we'll, we never know maybe we not after hours RPPR fans only Ooh. Ooh. yeah they have the secret decoder ring and the secret handshake yeah, and the
2: password and the password
1: yes so uh, oh, on the way back we uh, listened to the Stephen Colbert's uh, I'm, I'm America and so can, can you. you which obviously nothing could live up to the Daily Show's book no I mean, we, that, that was like you know
2: like wow but it was a good it was pretty and good and so did pass the time yeah so um, we finished it and we we, we finished it shortly after St. Louis yeah so it shortened the trip
1: considerably. It did. Um, so any any uh, final thoughts about this year's Gen Con, Tom?
2: Once again, good experience and good practice for the next time. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I'm definitely going to bring more snacks, uh, have more food. bring. I'm not going to bring the mics anymore because I never get a chance to use them. I'll just try and record reviews on the recorder. Um, run less games so I have more time for interviews. Some time for interviews. But uh, plan that stuff ahead of time. And uh Yeah. So, That's it.: All right. Uh, with that, we'll uh, have another episode in a few weeks with all kinds of our Tom's letter. Oh wait, uh, I knew I was forgetting something. you know what I forgot?:
2: I knew what you forgot. I was just waiting to see. The anecdote. Which I have a very brief anecdote.: all right. I'd like to say on, us on: I had one of those moments I had one of those moments where I, where I, the players were about 100 percent sure they knew exactly where I was going to go. Because there is the game Alterscape I mentioned. That's it's something Andy made, but I like to run stuff in it. So I start. I say I told them when, like, as soon like when meet the first day of Gen Con before the actual convention. I'm going to run you, you Andy, especially an action-heavy game because I know you never get those in Seattle. At least to get like just the regular total crazy action movie stuff I do that he likes. So I started off. They meet one of their one of their old favorite NPCs. Who's t- it's like a it's like a you know it's a anthropomorphic animal world set in the 1920s. Andy calls it 19 furry. That he loves it. So they're doing they're driving through in this old you know in like a 1924 Duesenberg, you know, and their their friends talking to him and like they, they're waiting. Like, All right, what adventure is he going to take us on? And then they're knocked out from an invisible gas inside the car. Wake up to one of the old, they're one of the old villains that you know says like I finally got you where I want you and doing all that and they're like oh it's like it's like alright what's and then and he says and then after he after he starts gloating you know does the villain gloat and then he stops like now he has it's show time and lights come up and he's in a tuxedo and there's a whole huge you know, studio audience of like demons and they're sent on a crazy violent game show imagine running man with uh, magic high tech monsters and when i when i did this when i opened that shot they're like what the fuck <laughs> and from that moment from that moment on they like there's like i'm not like i'm not assuming anything now <laughs> their, their their minds were just blown i blew their minds awesome in fact, I think after the convention, Andy said that was the best game of the convention. Cool. I do feel sorry for him because after the convention, he got stuck in the Indianapolis airport for two days.
1: <laughs> Poor Andy. Yeah, no, he's never coming back to Gen Con, is he? I don't know. He might. He might. He Depending might. on his money situation. Depending on his money situation, yeah. So. Uh, well,
2: yeah. well, I can assure you, we will be there next year. Yep. I uh, I... Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, so, yeah. Um, I guess that, that, that uh, winds up Gen, this year's Gen Con. So, uh, of course, next episode... Uh, back. We'll be back. I'll, I'll mention Dragon Con. I'm not going to just, you know... Oh my God! Whoa! Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna linger on it too long. I'll just. I'll mention the highlights. We we have a ridiculous amount of RPPR uh, actual plays in the can. So and more
2: coming every day. Yeah.
1: Well, we haven't played in a couple of weeks now. So. Well, yeah, but we will. Yeah, we will. Um, we. I will start up a second podcast feed for RPPR actual play uh actual plays just the actual plays i'll move all of them out there. i post from one a week so all you crazy actual play fiends who just can't get enough, we will feed your addiction yeah um
2: we are the enablers <laughs>
1: yeah something like that and uh but that that's something i need i'm working on other projects right now top secret or whatever and uh they they sort of take precedence but they it will be done and uh, of course you you've got plenty of, you will keep and, of
2: course, Ross has to go to uh, Argentina to visit his mistress. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> topical, yes. kind of. Um, I know Actually, I need to lay low after the MJ incident. I mean, wait, I've said too much. So, though, uh, <laughs> no but, witnesses. Exactly. So uh, with that in mind, we
2: will... We uh, depart, dear listeners. Yes,
1: until next time. This has been Roleplay Public Radio. I'm Ross Payton.
2: And, and I'm Tom. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Yeah, hour and 20 minutes. All right.
0: Yeah. Quick, clack, boom. DJ KB. Doing it for you one time on a mic. Dungeon gangsta hoe. Swords, slips, the sheets, strikes, and I can take the throat out. I'm crawling through your dungeon, and bitch, I'm leaving no doubt that you been by the motherfucking best. Treasure hunting, motherfucker, to put me to the test. Because your chest is bare. You tried to rumble, malice. Went to handy, came in, swinging, careless. Didn't know that. Was weird, and the wielding, unyielding, goblin peeling, treating the need of healing from the goblin shaman who wants to see me in a grave. But his magic is no threat, I'm always making saves in the caves on the underdog where goblins hold it down. I'll break up this war band and get back to town with the wagon loaded treasure. Exactly why to measure, got wenches for the pleasure, slaying dragons at my ledger. Cause I'm rolling With a 20-sided die I'm a badass dwarven fighter who makes epic level cry You can't set for this, click-clack-a-boom All the sucker DMs, please step out of the room Cause I'm rolling. Necromancer comes to town in the shot of gloom He assumes that he's too much for click-clack-a-boom Cause he's got the arcane knowledge and the undead might But that don't mean nothing to the Nerdcore night First round where wind attack makes zombies re dead acid arrow I take it to the head spectators fled as I fell to the floor I wasn't sure if I could take any more quicksand got me up to the defensive stance I needed to get in threatened square but I don't see a chance at the not resistant to spells and rays this undead witch could probably cheat this up for days I was beyond good plan and what I needed was a miracle that's when I heard the sound of a bar getting lyrical With DJ KBU sitting in for the win now with the bardic bonus I was ready to begin Straight through the liches, Kona cold, slivin' like a glue, I rusty on the he lost his concentration when I got in melee range One attack, two attack, three attack, four The chin couldn't stand up till my base attack score I had no problem hitting. watched the hit point burn Took the motherfucker down in just one turn He begged for mercy, blah 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 Took the mace to his face for the coup de gras One swing cracked the skull, Clack clack, kapow Spit on the corpse, said, where's your magic now? Cause I'm rolling with a 20-sided die I'm a badass woman fighter who makes epic level cry You can't step to this Click clack kaboom, all the sucker DMs Please step out of the room Cause I'm rolling Cause I'm rolling with a 20-sided die I'm a badass woman fighter who makes epic level cry You can't step to this what 3.5 what fuck your fourth edition